In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All of the lessons that we've got today are about sin. The first lesson is about how sin comes into the world. The gospel reading is about the antidote for sin and how, um, how the problem of sin can be undone. And the letter of St. Paul to the Romans talks to us about how these two stories, the story of Genesis and the story of Jesus, connect with each other. So first, um, God makes uh, human beings. Uh, this is pointed out to me, this detail is pointed out to me by the great um, Russian Orthodox theologian, Father John Baer, who we, we had here one time to, to do a Bible day for us. And he's, he points out that in, that in the book of Genesis, God says, let there be, let there be, let there be. God creates everything, it's, and it's right away, it's right away. Let there be light, and there is light. Let there be green things, there are green things. Let there be living things on the earth, and there are living things on the earth. Let there be the sun and the moon and the stars and the sky, and they are. And then at the very end of all of that, God says, let us, let us make. So all of a sudden, it's a process. Let us make the, the human beings, right? You, the human beings. Let us make man, anthropos, in our image. And uh, he makes us to reflect, to be the image of God, to, re to reflect the divine image. And he makes us free because this vocation, which is to bear the divine image, has to be a vocation that is embraced freely. We are meant to bless the whole world and to bless God's holy name and to love and serve God and to love and serve each other. But this human vocation, this, this identity of human being, it has to be freely chosen. And then the tempter comes. The first time we see the tempter in the story, the evil one in the person of the snake. Satan, the father of lies. Now, it's a very important figure because it tells us something very important about human nature. It tells us that sin doesn't arise from within the human heart. It tells us that, that, that sin is we give ourselves to the temptation of the evil one. The evil comes from somewhere else it comes to us as a temptation, and it entrances us. It captivates us. It oppresses us. It makes us, makes us its prisoner. And then we fall away from our human vocation, and we miss our purpose. The Hebrew word for sin and the Greek word for sin both have this character of a purpose, an aim or a purpose which is missed, which is not achieved. The Hebrew word, it's hard for me to say it because in the transliteration it starts with a K, chata, I think, chata, right? Sin, failure, literally, failure, literally. Failure at what? Failure to become a human being. 
You know, when Pilate brings Jesus out before the raging mob, and after he's been scourged and the crown of thorns is on his head, and they put on him the purple robe to mock him, and Pilate says, Ecce homo, behold the human being. Now, Pilate is saying more than he knows, because the truth of that saying won't be apparent until he appears to his disciples with the marks of the crucifixion upon him, shows them his hands and his side, and breathes into them life, the, the life of being a real human being. St. Irenaeus says the glory of God is a human being fully alive. He's talking about the crucified and risen Lord. The word for sin in the New Testament is hamatria or hamataria. Uh, and um, it means it's an, it's, an, it's an archery term. It means literally missing the mark. Literally, literally missing the mark. So the archer aims at the target and he lets fly, and the arrow goes so far afield that it's lost in the grass. What is the mark that's being missed? It's, it's the mark of being a human being, of embracing this human vocation, of freely choosing to return God's love in adoration and praise and worship, blessing God's holy name and blessing each other in love and service. And St. Paul tells us that, and uh, summarizing the teaching of the Bible, that when sin comes, death comes. Sin, sin, in, sin in the Old Testament is, um, it is as much a, an, an illness and an infirmity and a disability as it is a crime. Certainly there are crimes, but the crimes rise up out of a, out of a heart that's sick. Out of, a, of a human, out of a human nature that it has bef has bef there's this disability that's befallen our human nature. Uh, there's this, um, this thing that has gotten hold of us. There's a dialogue between Cain and God in Genesis 4. So the the relationship with God has been broken, and as soon as the relationship between God and humanity is broken, of course, brothers are going to fight with each other. And Cain is jealous of his brother Abel. And there's this, this conversation between, between God and Cain, and God is saying, watch out, Cain, for chata, right? is, is, um, is at the door ready to pounce. And so there's this sense that, that, that sin is something that uh, pounces upon you, that gets a hold of you, that is, a, that is an enemy. St. Peter writes in his letter, beware, your enemy the, your enemy the devil roar, roams about like a roaring lion waiting for someone to devour. He's making a commentary on this conversation between God and Cain in Genesis 4. And, and uh, sin gets a hold of us, and we lose the purpose of our life. We lose the meaning of our life. We lose the aim of our life. 
the arrow is lost, and we are lost. And with that comes death. Now, dying is a problem, but God can take care of that, pro- of that problem. But there's also this death as a power that, that, uh, that invades our life, that exerts dominion over our life. And Jesus Christ has come that death might have no dominion over us. Um, God is the source of our life. When we turn away from God, which is what sin is all about, we become disabled and infirm, and we don't have the human life that we were meant to have. We're missing our human vocation. We're missing freedom that we're supposed to have, we're missing the joy that we're supposed to have, and even though that we're living, we're dead. Now, the human heart knows that this is true, and even though in our very secular society this knowledge is something that we hide from ourselves, every once in a while it breaks through and uh, manifests itself in the popular culture. Now, there, it, uh, these things wax and wane. Uh, When I, I had the, the same parish in Connecticut for many, many years, I was, the parish was in Fairfield County, Connecticut. Fairfield County, Connecticut vies with Orange County in California for being the highest per capita household income in the country. And when I was there, it was very popular amongst the young people, the high school students, and Darianne and Greenwich and uh, places like that. Uh, to uh, dress in the goth manner. You ever seen, you've ever seen goths? You know, what that, you know what that looks like? So all in black, right? All in black, black lipstick, pancake makeup. You, you're impersonating a corpse is what you're doing, right? What's going on there? These young people are, these young people are, are, are saying, we have everything. We have everything that's supposed to make life good, and we're dying. The zombie movies are not quite so popular as they once were, but I think you can still get a lot of zombie video games, and I think you can still watch the zombie movies on, on Netflix. What are, the, what are the zombie movies all about? Well, they're, they're, they're they're people, or they, they're people, they, they look like people, but they used to be people, but they're not people anymore. They're the walking dead. And they've got, a, they've got an infection. And you must be careful lest you get the infection too. And then there are vampires, right? And that was very big too. And, uh, but, it, you know, you can still go to the bookstore at Barnes & Noble, and I think there's a whole vampire section there, right? And what is that about? It's about, it's about uh, somebody who can't die and wishes that they could. And they, they live by sucking other people's blood. And then you have to worry that, you know, you're going to become a vampire too. Now, why is it that this, all of this kind of brings a thrill, you know, that it causes the hair to stand up on the back of the neck and it's sort of titillating? It's because it touches this, this knowledge in the human heart that we're up against a fierce and ferocious enemy. 
that can get a hold of us, that can captivate us, that can be a wellspring of evil deeds for us, that can distort our personal life and can distort our social lives and the lives of our society, and that we need a helper, a deliverer, a savior, a benefactor, that we need an antidote. And the antidote is described in the gospel. Tempted in every way as we are, yet did not sin. And this life that is in him, the glory of God, a human being, truly alive, this is the life that he breathes into us through the ordinary means of grace, through the reading of the scriptures, through the saying of the prayers, through the bread and the wine. What does he say? He says, unless you, unless you feed on me, unless you drink me in, you'll have not any life in you. And he says, I've come that they might have life and have that abundantly. Lent is a time when we ponder the challenge, ponder the power of sin and evil and death, and when we ponder the power of the one who is mighty to save and who calls us to turn to him in repentance. Adam and Eve turned away. We're called to turn back and reach out to him in faith and to grasp this great gift that he's come at such great price to give us and to live and not die and to triumph over sin and have life, real human life, the life of a real human being both here and hereafter. And so, Lord, during this Lent, may we, each one of us, find you mighty to save. Amen.